Imagine what it must have been like at the foot of the cross that day so long ago. The sun beat down upon them. It was hot. And sweat and blood flowed down the face of Jesus as he hung there and as he heaved to breathe in and out. And there was a multitude of people there that day. And some were crying aloud. And others were praying. And I think others, they were, they were crying that, that moan that, that just comes out that you really don't have any words to say when you don't really know even what to do. There were others that day with their arms crossed, sneering at Jesus, hurling insults at him. If you can save other people, why don't you save yourself? Others were there that day because they had just caught the infection of a, of a mob spirit and it was the thing to do that day and so they got wrapped up in the crowd of it all. And I wondered to myself, would I have been at the foot of the cross that day? Would you have been at the foot of the cross that day? And over these next few minutes this evening, what I want to do is I want to take a look at three different groups of people that we know were at the foot of the cross that day so long ago. And I want us to see together how they responded and what our response might be also to this most powerful moment in history. And the first group of the people that we see there were the ones who loved Jesus. They were the people that had been with him. It was, it was his mother Mary. And it says the other women and the disciple John. Only John is named as the disciple who was at the foot of the cross that day. And have you ever had a time where you looked around at the circumstances that you were experiencing and you just thought, how in the world did I get here? And, and it was a day that you wish you could just desperately take off the calendar because you just couldn't believe that you had woken up into this particular situation that you were experiencing. I think that's how John must have felt that day with his head spinning and, and, and him just wishing so much that somebody could just wake him up from this nightmare that he was a part of. At a time when any thinking man would want to run for his life, the youngest of all disciples, well, he stayed. He hung in there with Jesus that day near the cross. That's what the Gospel of John said. John hung in there. And as he looked up at Jesus on the cross that day, above him was a sign that said, King of the Jews. And for him, it was a sign that meant that his leader and the one that he had followed and the one that he had trusted, he, he was hanging there. And John didn't understand why. But John hung in there that day. John had followed Jesus everywhere. He had been with him on the Mount of Transfiguration when he saw a miracle. He had watched Jesus do amazing things. He got to walk with Jesus at the head of the parade. He was there in the depths of Gethsemane's, Gethsemane's suffering. He sat next to Jesus at the Passover supper just a night before. And he followed into the courts in the, in the middle of the night wondering what they were going to do with this one that he trusted with this one that he had followed. John hung in there that day, even when it was hard, and he clung to Jesus when he raised from the dead, and he clung to Jesus that day. 
even when he hung there dying. John was there. And John, he was there when human reasoning told him that, that his leader and that his mission had failed. John didn't know that, that the, the plan of the ages was working perfectly. John didn't understand that. He thought everything was lost. He thought all of it has just meant nothing. Yet he remained. He stayed there during Christ's brightest and his darkest hours. The young disciple knew Jesus in both of those extremes. And John was willing to look at Jesus even in this moment that it felt like everything was falling apart. He hung in there and he stayed. And we cannot truly say that we know Jesus until we understand, until we're with him, until we experience both the great joy of knowing Jesus and the peace that he offers, as well as going through some difficult and hard times with him too. Because the closer we get to Jesus and the more that we begin to understand scripture and the more that we read it, there will be times where we really don't understand exactly what God's doing. And there are situations and there are times in life when God might be working and yet we don't really understand what he's doing. And in those times, we sometimes see things that we can't explain that sometimes are more than what we can understand. And here's the question. Will you and I walk away from Jesus when human understanding says that he looks weak or defeated? Will we stand by faith when human logic tells us we should run? And I ask myself, as a disciple, would I have stayed there at the foot of the cross that day? Or would I have run? And I tell myself that given the choice, I would be there. And I would stick with it because I'm loyal and because I trust him and because I want to be there even in this moment of Jesus' suffering. And yet there's a part of me, there's a part of me that sometimes just wants to run because sometimes what God asks of me seems too hard. Jesus looked at John that day with love. And he looked at John, the only disciple that we know was at the foot of the cross that day, and he looked right at him and he gave him a mission. He said, I need you to take care of my mom. And John was there to receive that mission and to say yes. And he gives us a mission as his followers too, but we got to hang in there so that we can receive that mission, even when it feels maybe hard to do. So as a disciple, would I have been at the foot of the cross that day or would I have run? I hope I would have hung in there in the midst of it. There was a second group that we know were at the foot of the cross that day, and that was the Pharisees, the religious leaders. Why were they there that day at the foot of the cross? 
They thought they had religion all figured out. They had studied the scriptures. They knew exactly what they thought the Messiah should look like and act like and be like. And Jesus wasn't it. Jesus didn't fit their bill. He didn't seem to fit into the pattern that they thought was going to happen. And they thought they were right. They thought putting Jesus to death that day was the right thing to do. And verse 35 that I read a moment ago, it says, The rulers sneered at him. He saved others, let him save himself, if, if he is God's Messiah. That was their question. If he is God's Messiah, prove it. Prove that you're the chosen one. Prove that you're the long-awaited Messiah. Prove it to me. Convince me. Yet, I don't think they really wanted to be convinced. I don't think they really wanted to have their minds changed. And I think, how cruel to be there that day and to throw insults at Jesus. To throw judgment at him. And yet I was thinking around this this week, and if I'm really honest, there's a part of me that I find in them too. In those days when I'm just certain that I'm right, in those days when I'm not open to change, in those times where I just want to be comfortable in what I already know, in those times when I might be threatened that someone could do it better. And so I find myself, even though I don't want to, I find myself sometimes I can be a part of that crowd. When I'm more comfortable doing what I've always done instead of being open and willing to do something new. And maybe honestly, sometimes you also have to say with me, yeah, sometimes I'm part of that crowd even though I don't want to be either. And there was a third group of people there that day that we can't forget or overlook either. It was the Roman centurion and the four Roman soldiers who had the horribly cruel task of carrying out the orders of the governor and putting people to death on a cross. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what it would have been like to be had that, to be part of, of what you had to do every day? And these soldiers, I just I picture them being just just hardened and calloused and bruised and just devoid of any kind of compassion or dignity. And they were sort of oblivious to any kind of spiritual working going on that day. They gambled for his clothing. It was just another day for them of work. And verse 36, they weren't asking if he was the chosen Messiah. They were saying, if, if you're the king of the Jews, then save yourself. They thought Jesus was a joke. No one with credibility. There's just another rebel, just another criminal, just someone to get rid of, just another day at work. And sometimes... If I'm honest, there are times too when we just try to ignore Jesus. We just want to go about our lives. 
Jesus, don't impact me too much. Don't ask too much of me. Just, just, I'll check in with you once a month or so, but otherwise, let me live my life. And we miss, we miss the spiritual workings or whatever God is doing around us because we're too busy or we're preoccupied or we just don't take the time to understand what's really going on around us. And even though I don't like that, there are days too when it's easier to ignore Jesus than to face what's going on with him. All of these people and others were present that day at the foot of the cross. Those who loved Jesus and those who were threatened by Jesus and those who really didn't know Jesus at all. And a thunderstorm began to blow up from the mountains, and the clouds hid the sun, and it was strangely dark. And the people looked up at the sky, and they became frightened, and women took little children by the hand, and they hurried back to the city before the storm would break. It was sort of this uncanny darkness. It had never quite been that dark before. Something terrible must have been about to happen. And women stood praying for Jesus and praying for the thieves. And the centurion, he was silent. Although every now and again he would look up to Jesus with a strange sort of look in his eye. And in that moment, the soldiers were silent too. Their gambling was over, they had won and lost. And suddenly, Jesus opened his eyes and he gave a loud cry. And the gladness in his voice, it just sort of startled all of those around it because it shouted more like a shout of victory. And he said, it is finished. It's finished. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And with that cry, he died. And how did the people respond? Verse 47 says, The centurion, seeing what had happened, he praised God, saying, Surely this was a righteous man. And when all the other people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and they went away. But all of those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, they stood at a distance watching these things. The centurion, who didn't know anything about what was going on, who was oblivious to the spiritual work going on, in that moment, he realized that something powerful had happened and he believed. He believed in God. And the people, they beat their breasts with remorse, and those who loved Jesus followed at a distance. But I believe that everyone who was at the foot of that cross that day, they were impacted by Jesus' life, about what they saw that day. 
and they walked away from that time, and they were never, ever the same. Let me ask you this evening, were you there when they crucified my Lord? Because I was. And it represents the best of what it means to be faithful, and it represents me on my worst days too. I, I think I was there that day. Were you? You see, though his work is not finished on the cross, or excuse me, though his work is finished on the cross, his work is not finished in you and in me. And he wants us to experience the fullness of what it means to have a relationship with him. And he wants you and I to come alive with his spirit that lives inside of us. And he wants us to experience the power of his resurrection. That is why he gave his life for you and for me. That's why he did it. Even though all the people there didn't understand it that day. That's why he did it. For you and for me. I want to end with the words from the hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross by Isaac Watts. When you get to verse 4, it says this. Were the whole realm of nature mine, if everything around me, if I had power over it, that would be an offering far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, it demands my soul and my life and my all. Let's pray. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? Were you there when the sun refused to shine? Because sometimes it causes me to tremble, to tremble, to tremble. And Jesus, if we're honest, so many times we we just want to look away. We want to skip through this important moment. Let's get to Easter and let's get to the resurrection because it, it just feels better. But Lord, I thank you for this night and this chance to pause and to remember and to look upon you, Lord, when it's hard and to hang in there when we see you in pain and suffering because we are reminded that you are with us too when we go through times of trial and pain and suffering in our own life. And so Lord, help us to hang in there and to trust you, maybe even when we can't see what you're doing, that you still will provide a way, that you will make a way. You are a miracle worker. And Lord, help us to trust you and to hang in there with you. Tonight, we simply say thank you. Thank you for the gift the gift that you gave to us and giving of yourself so that it might make a way for us to be forgiven 
and to live forgiven and free. And so, Lord, we pause tonight, and we do say with all of our hearts, thank you. Thank you for that gift. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.